I guess we better find our seats. I was running around looking for someone to baptize. But. <laughs> Grab your Bibles and let's open up to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. And uh, I've had a couple people ask this week. I have to admit, I, I really struggled over the uh, message for this Sunday. Now, on the one hand, I mean, there's just so many different passages that I wanted to go to. But uh, on the other hand, as I kept reading through and, and searching, I couldn't seem to find anything that I felt just really fit the moment. And, and after spending uh, uh, most of the day uh, Monday uh, searching, I finally settled on a passage from the book of Acts, and um, <laughs> was working on that, and, and then uh, Tuesday I met with a friend of mine, and we were talking, and as we talked, I felt God kind of nudging in a different direction, and, and uh, long and short of it is by Wednesday afternoon, I had gone through several passages, but finally settled on this one, um, I believe God was just leading me to these familiar verses, or they may be familiar to many of you, maybe not so much to others. Uh, for some of you, maybe this is a, a new thought that we're going across today, but whatever the case, for all of us, uh, it's my desire that this would be encouraging. So hopefully you found the book of Jeremiah. We're going to chapter 29, and we're going to read verses 11 through 13, which say this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Father God, we are so thankful that you're not some distant deity, but God you are our loving Heavenly Father. And so we just pray this morning as we have been able to uh, worship 
in fellowship, in giving, in, in singing together, uh, that you'll help us as we continue to worship by looking into your word. That you'll be with us. That you'll do a good work in our hearts and lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've mentioned this before. To a lot of you are familiar with the fact that my parents were big uh, supporters of the youth group and youth group ministry in the church where I grew up. In fact, they led the, the youth group there for I don't know how many years. But beyond our actual youth group meetings, uh, they also supported uh, us kids, my brother and sister and I, hanging around with other kids in the youth group. And, and so even though it was a school night on a Wednesday night, they would always allow us to stay out a little extra late that night uh, so that we could go do something with our, our youth group friends after church. And, and nearly every single Wednesday, we would go through the same ritual. After all the adults and the kids were gone, you know, we all had Wednesday night church together, uh, as teenagers would be standing around the parking lot, and uh, someone would say, what do you want to do? And someone else would answer, I don't know, what do you want to do? And fairly quickly after that got started, someone would very helpfully interject, there's nothing to do around here. And we would stand around and utter those three phrases over and over again. Occasionally, a real conversation might break out for a few minutes when somebody would bring up something uh, that was interesting and happening in our world, our world being that of high school students in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, and uh, that would divert us for a little bit, but then pretty soon, you know, someone would start the ritual again. So, what do you want to do? I don't know. And that would go on and on until finally, after, you know, 30, 40 minutes of doing this, standing around, somebody would say, let's go get a pizza. And we'd all then caravan over to the chosen pizza joint and have fun talking, eating pizza. You know, we could have spent a lot more time eating pizza and having fun talking if, if somebody ever had a plan. But nobody ever did. We wasted precious time coming up with a plan, even though we did the same thing every Wednesday. I mean, I, there was probably always that hope somewhere deep within us that somebody would have a brilliant plan, uh, that, that maybe we would do something different and exciting and stimulating this time. But no, we just always went to pizza and sat around talking. and We had a good time doing that. Have you ever tried being part of a group, showing up for an activity, and there's no plan? And you're all just kind of milling around and... and uh, not wondering what you should be doing, and, and uh, it can get frustrating because it seems like such a waste of time. Have you ever noticed that life can be like that too? Perhaps you've felt as aimless as we did standing around the parking lot wondering what we should do. I mean, you really want to be doing something. You want to be living life to the full, but you just kind of shrug your shoulders and look around your life and go, there's nothing to do around here. Or maybe you do have a bit of a plan, but it doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. You just kind of shrug your shoulders and, and it just feels ho-hum and we're in a rut. 
or it could even be worse. Maybe you thought you had a plan, but somehow everything got messed up. A health crisis throws you for a loop, or financially things collapse around you, or a significant relationship uh, begins to uh, crumble, or, or maybe a disaster hits, and, and, and what you thought was going good, now you're facing disaster. I mean, that, that's exactly what was happening to the people to whom Jeremiah was writing. They were in full-scale disaster mode. Uh, God had sent many, many prophets over the years to, to warn the people of Israel that disaster, that judgment was coming if the people would not repent and return to faithfully following God. And Jeremiah, when he came, he came on the scene uh, and basically was announcing that same thing, but also saying, hey, we are right on the brink. We're, we're approaching the point of no return in terms of this disaster. From the very founding of the nation of Israel, God had warned them that if they abandoned him uh, to follow false gods and goddesses in the land, and if they gave themselves to the pagan, the pagan practices of the nations around them, well, then God would send a strong nation against them to destroy them and to cart them off into captivity. But the people did not listen. I mean, they turned away from God and, and, and picked up the wicked practices of the false religions uh, of the people uh, nearby them, even to the point of sacrificing children to the god Moloch in the valley of Himon, which is just outside of Jerusalem, within eyesight of the temple of God. They were sacrificing children to Moloch. And Jeremiah, he proclaimed the message, you, you have to repent and return to God right now before it's too late. And yet, they did not listen. And, and many of them, of course, uh, mistook God's patience to mean that, well, maybe God doesn't really care or maybe God's not even really there. And of course, that's, that's similar to what we see going on today, right? People hear about the judgment of God coming, but they don't really see any evidence of that. And so they just go on living their life however they want to live. But they're mistaking the patience of God for indifference or maybe non-existence. But the Bible gives us the truth about what's happening in that particular situation. In 2 Peter 3.9 we read, The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, God, God wants more. He wants new people to come to repentance, to salvation. So He holds off judgment, giving people yet another chance. Just a little more time to repent. But that patience will not last forever. The next verse in 2 Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In which the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. See, delayed judgment is not the same as no judgment. And, and so it was in Jeremiah's day. 
And in fact, what we see is right in the midst of Jeremiah preaching, saying, time is running out, time is running out. Time actually ran out for them. And the nation of Babylon, which God said he raised up, came and laid siege against Jerusalem. Uh, this is a history we've, we've gone over in previous messages. Babylon actually came in, in three different waves. The first wave, uh, they, they subdued and, and defeated the nation and took control of things. But they didn't destroy everything. They left a puppet king there and business and commerce going so that they could make money and send a yearly tribute to, to Babylon. But Babylon did haul off all of the cream of the crop of the young people, including uh, a guy... Um, that would become Daniel uh, the prophet. And if Israel would have behaved, it would have kind of gone on in that same pattern, but they didn't. And so Babylon had to come a second time to show them who's boss and, and to squash some, some uh, rebellion going on. And then finally, a third time when they kept going, they said, okay, we've had enough of you guys. And they just came in and completely destroyed Jerusalem, wiped it out took all the people except for the very poorest of the poor, left them, and, and took everybody else and carted them off into captivity in Babylon. And through all of that, Jeremiah kept prophesying and kept telling people, you need to turn to God. And the vast majority of them ignored Jeremiah and his warnings. In fact, it says they, they hated him. Some of them, some of the leaders that were left there called uh, on Jeremiah uh, to be given the death penalty, to be put away with, to, to be done with. They didn't want to listen to his warnings anymore, all because he was willing to tell them the truth about God's judgment. They didn't like to hear about that gloom and doom, but now they were living in that gloom and doom. And we know that on an ultimate scale, eternal scale, that same story is being played out for every single person in this world, right? God's judgment is coming. There's a penalty for sin. People have left the Lord God Almighty to seek after their other gods, gods of power and pleasure and popularity, uh, gods that make a person feel good, whether that is through some form of spirituality or just by focusing on self or whatever it is. And, of course, there's a host of false gods and religions out there that promise you the path to um, heaven is by your works, by what you can accomplish, by how hard you try, or by even sacrificing yourself uh, uh, for the cause. And yet here God stands with open arms, offering the gift of salvation to, for free to anyone who would accept it. He paid the price himself through Jesus Christ on the cross so that he could offer that gift of salvation to us at, at no cost. And his call to each and every person is, is that which was given through the prophet Isaiah when he says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the water." And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And that was just Isaiah's poetic way of saying, hey, come and take what God is offering for free. You can buy it for nothing. He is offering you this gift. He's provided it so that we have the opportunity to repent, 
to turn from sins and, and to turn from our false ways and the impending eternal judgment and to find salvation instead. And one question I want to ask today is, have you done that? Are you sure? I don't want to leave here without having been certain that I've given everyone that opportunity to come to Christ. He offers that gift for free. And you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life and, and your eternity with God is, is secured. There's no greater blessing than for a person to be able to confidently and with assurance say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, we also have to know that just because our eternal destination is set and guaranteed. Not all your days here on earth are going to be heaven on earth. And like the, uh, the people Jeremiah was preaching to, we will find ourselves having difficult days, dark times, hardships, uncertain futures. But even though he was known as the prophet of gloom and doom, Jeremiah did offer hope to these people. Hope in the form of a promise that God gave to them that says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Now, you know, it's always just a little bit dicey to take a specific Old Testament prophet uh, prophecy and then try to apply it to us as New Testament Christians because there were specific uh, prophecies that were for the Jewish people and the nation and what they were going through in particular uh, for them. And, and, and so we have to be careful with that in, in this particular case, right? Uh, this prophecy was spoken to people who were being forcibly evicted and deported from their homeland uh, to live as captives in the foreign country of Babylon and it was a calamity of great proportions to all these people because they thought, hey, we're God's people. We should be safe and set here. And uh, they were uh, uh, just shocked that they were going through this, this judgment and this hard time. But God's promise, his hope that he gave through the prophet was that it was not going to end that way. Yes, there was judgment now, but God's plan was for welfare, for good for these people, meaning uh, that, that they were going to be able to come back. It, it would only be a temporary situation. It would only last for 70 years, and then God would bring his people out of captivity, back to the land, reestablish them as a nation, and, and, and it would result in good. A and the good was not just that, okay, someday we're going to get to come back here. Uh, the good was what God was doing in their hearts and in their lives as well. You see, during that period of captivity in Babylon, God dealt with what, what you call a besetting sin with the whole nation. Uh, a besetting sin is, is one of those sins that just seems to get you over and over and over again. And it seems to drag them down. And for Israel, that besetting sin was idolatry. They just kept falling into it and falling into it. But after this period of, 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 of chastisement, and work, we never 
read or hear of that again in Israel's history. God did this good work of, of purifying them and, and changing them. The affliction had brought an end to that particular sin. And of course, that uh, situation is obviously something that, that doesn't directly apply to us unless any of you were taken captive from Israel and sent to Babylon. And if so, you're really, really late for your return trip home. Um, see, the, the question for us is, is this idea that God has a plan for welfare, for good, is that a principle that applies to you and me today? Is there an application in there for every single child of God? Or was it just a promise for that one specific situation of bringing Israel back to their land? Because, you know, the truth is, right, in our days here on earth, we are going to face calamity, sometimes quite often. And sometimes that calamity can be self-induced because of our sin. We make choices and do things outside of God's will and the boundaries that he has set up. And the result is something that leads us into all kinds of trouble, just as it did for the people Jeremiah spoke to. And sometimes the calamity that comes into your life is foisted upon you because of the sins of someone else. It's not our fault. We're doing our best to faithfully follow God, but somebody else did this or that or the other thing, and before you know what's happening, you're in the middle of calamity because of what they did. And still, other times it can come because we just live in a broken world under the curse of sin. The market crashes and your retirement goes up in smoke or your job is downsized. One day is going well because you're just heading in for a routine doctor's appointment and all of a sudden the results rock your world. Today is sunny and good but the next day a tornado hits and everything you own is blown halfway to Kansas. We don't know what the next day will hold for us in this world. And calamity could be facing us any moment. And beyond that, there are times that we, of course, view as calamity, but they are difficulties, hardships brought into our life by God. He, he brings some of those trials and tribulations into your world and into your situation on purpose. And as you study God's word, I mean, you find out that he, he does that because his desire is to refine us and, and to purify us like gold through those tough times. He wants to strengthen our faith so, so that we learn to walk with him and trust him day by day. I mean, sometimes, even though it may not feel like it, the very best place that we can be is in a situation where we can't figure out what's going on and we have no idea why it's happening. And all we can do is hang on to God's hand for dear life. That's a good place to be. And, and because God wants us to learn that, He occasionally comes in 
and messes up your best laid plans. And, and when that happens, your immediate thought is that, oh no, calamity. And God says, hold on just a moment. I know the plans that I have for you. And, and we may think we know them. And we might think that our plans are pretty good plans. But God often sees things very different than we do. He, he knows the plans that are actually for our best, even when we can't see or understand how that could possibly be so. There's a, an evangelistic gospel track that's put out by Campus Crusade for Christ, or used to be called that. They now call themselves Crew. And, and that tract is called The Four Spiritual Laws. And at the very beginning of the tract, it says this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And to people who are wandering through this world aimless and hopeless, that sounds like an awesome deal. And you know what? It is an awesome deal. God loves you and has a plan. That truth is repeated multiple times over for us in, in different ways throughout Scripture. One uh, passage would be Ephesians 2.10 where it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared or planned beforehand so that you would walk in them. I mean, isn't that a cool thought? God has a plan for you and, and your life. As, as his child, as a, a member of his kingdom, he says, first of all, hey, you're my, you're my workmanship. And the idea, the, the Greek word there uh, behind that is, is masterpiece. His masterpiece. He is the, the artist or the master builder, uh, and you are his unique masterpiece. And he's telling you, hey, I designed you and wired you in a specific way because I have a plan for you. And... Yeah, sometimes that plan takes us down a very different path than we had imagined. But God's plan is good. So when your world seems to be swirling around into chaos and confusion and, and you just don't know what's going on, take a step back and listen to God's voice say to you, for I know the plan that I have for you. You might not know them, might not be able to see them, or even fully understand them. But the key is, God knows the plans that He has. A and can there be anything more comforting than that? He, he knows the plans. He, he knows the plans for you. He knows the plans me and DJ. He knows the plans for our church. And his plans are for welfare and not for calamity, to give us a future and a hope. And then we will call upon him. When's the then it says there? Well, the then is when your plans aren't visible, right? When you don't see what's happening. They're in the midst of the trial and tribulation. That's when we call and hold on to God's hand. 
we still may have to walk through those dark days that we've mentioned previously. But ultimately, all of God's plans are for our good. And we just have to learn to trust and to hold on tight to His hand. And God will walk with us every step of the way. Leading, guiding, loving, and doing good things. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you are a God who has the plans. That we can trust you and know that your plans are good. So Father, we just give ourselves to you this morning. God, I, I want to pray if there's anyone here this morning who has never put their faith in you, that today would be the day. That they would know that you have a plan for good that, that removes us from judgment. God, in the quietness of their heart, they can pray to accept your gift of salvation right now. And for all of us, God, as we walk in this broken world where our plans maybe sometimes go awry, remind us again that your plans will be established. We pray this in Jesus' name.